Folks, let me give you some friendly advice. Do not be the creative who spends thousands and thousands of your hard-earned dollars on equipment each year without spending one penny on your marketing. If there's ever been a time to rise above the noise and do something just a little bit different to impress your leads and wow your clients, I would say now's that time. And my favorite way to do that is by leveraging print promotion using the photography that I am the most proud of. So our amazing friends at Bay Photo Lab have almost every product that you can think of, from magazines to photo books to promo cards that you can leave behind. And listen, if you just want something to dazzle your office or living space at home with, well, they have options for that too. You can get prints and wall displays from basically every style, from canvas to metal to acrylic. And the best part is you can get 25% off your first time order just by going to bayphoto.com, signing up today. They ship everywhere in the world, folks, and all their products look incredible. So do yourself a favor, start leaving an impact, whether it's for your personal memories at home or for your professional marketing at work. Bay Photo Lab, designed by photographers for photographers. You are listening to Entrepreneurs, a podcast that inspires photographers and visual artists who live their best creative lives. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host and a full-time photographer here to give you some tools so you can build your life in creative self-employment. Beyond that, I get to sit down with an amazing community of creative professionals to talk about process, business, and the lessons that have helped them grow. So let's get to it. Entrepreneur Season 2, kicking off next. All right. For many of you who already listen to the show, you're already pretty versed in how the freelance world works, either through your own experiences or your own edification that you've already sought out. But not everybody is. And so I didn't want to gloss over that group who might be at that fork in the road deciding to either pursue freelancing full time or finding a staffed job. Maybe you're in your last year of college getting ready for the real world. Maybe you're looking to leave your nine to five and pursue a different lifestyle than the one that you've been living. Either way, I wanted to share my experiences with you so you can gauge what is maybe more ideal for you. And as someone who has effectively split my entire working life between employee and freelancer, I've done eight years working for somebody else, and I've done the last eight years being self-employed, I think I have some insight. Maybe not universal insight. I certainly don't know what your experiences will ultimately be, so I don't want to claim those things as absolutes, but I have some perspective that I think I can provide you on what might be in store for you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host. I'm excited to bring you this episode. We are on episode 84 of Entrepreneurs in Season 2. Incredible. Uh, it's been quite a journey so far, and we've got a long way to go. If you're getting anything out of this content, please like, subscribe, review the show on your favorite platform. Okay. So at its core, folks, my goal is to help people understand this world of freelancing just a little bit better, right? If you're at the fork of the road in your career, and one of those options is going full-time self-employment, fantastic. I just want you to be aware of any of the speed bumps, any of the potholes, any of the detours that could happen on that road. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to experience smoother sailing than I'm advertising in this lifestyle. But from my experience, you don't know what you don't know. And invariably, freelancers, for the most part, learn a lot by trial and error, which can be obviously very costly. So I've put together a short list of differences between freelance life versus employee life to help guide you through this pilgrimage that you're about to venture on. Again, these are just my experiences. They are not universal truths. Workforces are constantly evolving anyways. Industries are always changing. So just keep that in mind as I go through this list. So enough of the runway on the intro here. Let's just get right to the course. Here are seven key things that I think separate freelancers from employees. Number one, inconsistent pay periods. 
okay, one of the foundational concepts that I often pride myself on, and it's one of the first things I actually try to express to students that I encounter, is how important money management will be if they want to support themselves solely on freelance income. Okay, there are no biweekly checks like an employee receives. So you might make $1,000 this month. Maybe you followed up with $5,000 the next, followed up by maybe a down tick and get $2,000 after that. And then maybe in month four, you barely make $500 and then you go back up to 1,000. These are just realistic possibilities, folks. Okay, it's often unpredictable income, especially if you take on a variety of different jobs. So if you're a wedding photographer and you have maybe one or two price packages, you could predict your income significantly easier. But if you're mixing in corporate jobs, event jobs, editorial, headshots, sports, whatever, you've got a lot of varying levels of income. Now, why is any of this inconsistent income something that I would warn you so adamantly about? Well, it's because your expenses are the exact opposite, okay? They are very consistent. Your landlord doesn't care if you got one job this month from the newspaper. Your cell phone carrier doesn't care that your client checks are in the mail. Your car insurance provider is not going to care that your payments are a day or two away from processing. Those expenses are coming like clockwork, on schedule, bright and early. So when you marry unpredictable income with very predictable expenses, you could put yourself through a lot of stress if you're not used to managing it. Number two, there are no employee benefits. Okay, so if number one didn't scare you off from the freelance life, folks, then maybe this one will. Uh, the, the main perk of being an employee is that you get some incredible benefits, right? You have access to medical insurance, and HSAs, you get paid vacation, uh, retirement benefits like 401ks that your employer can match. Um, hell, even the HR department just as a resource can be seen as a benefit, right? Like if I needed to talk to someone about the index funds in my Roth IRA, I was just thinking about this the other day. I don't even know how to do that. I'm pretty sure it's an hour long wait on the phone, no matter how I slice it. But my wife, who uh, is fully employed, she could walk down the hall to her HR department, ask for Jill or Tom or Sarah, whoever it might be, to give her some clarity on her 401k contributions. So that's something that employees shouldn't take for granted. It's something that freelancers do not have. And some employers can even provide you with access to equipment so that you're not putting miles on yours. Some will issue key employees with company credit cards so you don't have to compromise your own personal credit. There are wellness programs. Some might provide you maternity leave or tuition programs, which is amazing. You as a freelancer won't get any of that. That's just the downside, okay? So what you have is the responsibility to proactively set up your own health insurance, your own life insurance, your own disability insurance if you opt for them. You have the responsibility to set up your own retirement vehicles, oftentimes without any assistance, okay? So if you wanted to be able to fund 30 years of unemployment, which is effectively what retirement is, then you need a plan. And more importantly, you need action because nobody is going to knock on your door and say, hey, Ted, hey, Jenny, I noticed you didn't opt in for any 401k or Roth IRA. Would you like someone to talk to you about your options and how to get that started? As a freelancer, you will not get anybody knocking on your door and asking you that, okay? So proactivity is one of the bedrock attributes that you have to build, not just for the career that you want, but for the life you want as well. That is Freelancing 101. Number three, taxes are not withheld. All right, so this honestly could have been the first thing I brought up because I do think it's that important. If you freelance full-time and you play by the rules that every dollar that you earn is spendable income, then you could end up potentially in horrible shape by the end of your first year. That could trickle down throughout your second year, maybe even your third year. And then eventually you forced 
to quit, which I don't want you to do. So just know that taxes are not withheld like they are for employees. This is a very dangerous habit that employees are trained to adopt, which is what I would classify as a hands-off approach to their finances, because everything basically gets taken out without them being aware of. So it's a very much a, a set it and forget it approach, which is fantastic for automating savings, automating your retirement contributions and your tax payments, but honestly counterproductive for anyone looking to venture into self-employment because that requires proactive measures. So you'll need to know how to calculate what you owe to taxes after each job, but more importantly, how to set up your own system so that you never spend that tax money and that you can consistently pay your quarterlies. Again, proactivity is the major key theme here throughout this entire episode. If you don't know these skill sets, you're going to have to learn them. And guess what? Again, nobody's going to come teach them to you unless you seek this counsel out. Number four, administrative duties. All right. So at any company, big or small, you know, you're generally going to find a number of roles at that company. You'll have your CEO, your accounting, your VP of sales, directors of marketing, and so forth and so forth, uh, all of whom have specific roles to make that ship run as smoothly as possible. Now, for freelancers, you embody just about every role unless you decide to outsource a certain responsibility, which will still honestly require a modicum of know-how to manage that outsourcing. So really, you never escape the administrative duties. And I think I've said this on many episodes before. Um, as a freelancer, you are the marketing department, you are the accounting, you are legal, you know, you don't hand contract proposals off to anyone to look over, you don't pass negotiations off to anyone else, you're the one who sends estimates, you're the one who sends invoices, you're the one who sets up model releases, you're the one who takes care of onboarding new clients and marketing to old ones. So just know that. I know staff photographers who don't even have a website or even market to any new leads, which is just kind of incredible to me. And I'm, I'm not even throwing shade at anyone here. If you can make a good living as a creative, I applaud you all the same. It doesn't matter if you're a staffed or freelancer. But the reason why I bring any of this up is because it impacts so much of your time and your energy. If you are just a photographer and you work for a clothing brand A and newspaper B or sports team C, they, though they all operate differently depending on the company, you might be creating a lot of content, right? You're shooting a lot. There's always projects to shoot. There's always some sort of an assignment. But typically, you don't inherit a lot of those office jobs, those clerical jobs, okay? That's for your other departments to handle. Maybe the art director plans the assignment, gets all the parties involved. Maybe the editor is the one who curates the layout. Maybe the DP looks over all the paperwork and the contracts. Accounting does its thing and so on and so on. But as a freelancer, if I'm honestly speaking from just pure experience, if I'm just talking solely client work, the amount of time I spend shooting for a client, that might consist of only 25% of the work pie, okay, right? If you average everything out over the year, right? Like there are obviously a lot of long shooting days, but the other responsibilities that I have collectively, when you look at research, education, marketing, networking, your accounting, uh, contracts, negotiation, there's almost no way that I could try to flip that script and shoot 85% of the time. Again, only if I outsourced or neglected all of those responsibilities, which I certainly don't recommend that you do. Now, up to this point, if it seems like freelancing is all a bunch of negative things that you don't want to do, I want to let you know that from my perspective, as much as I pull my hair out with some of these responsibilities, I am equally as grateful for them because I have accelerated my understanding of business in such a way that I never did and never would have done as an employee. So in many ways, I'm actually more thankful, more appreciative of all these speed bumps and potholes along the road than I am perturbed by them. But just for good measure, just in case you don't see any of this the same way that I do, 
that's okay. Let me hit you with a few benefits of freelancing that might seem a little bit more appealing. Number five, copyright. All right, so for a majority of time when you work for a company, the images that you spent so much time and energy cultivating, all that artistic bandwidth that you've exhausted, in the end, it will be handed over to the employer as if it were their own creation. Okay, I can't say that's a universal 100% of the time truth, but it is very common for the employer who is, remember, providing you all those benefits that we talked about earlier, all that stability to want full copyright control of their images. And it definitely makes more sense to do this when they have multiple photographers on at the staff at once and who many of them will come and go every couple of years anyways. It's just too many creatives to negotiate with for license terms. So why not just control the rights as a company and then we can do whatever we want with these images for the rest of our existence. So that is the potential downside for the creative that is fully employed. For the freelancer, however, the copyright law is actually on your side and you inherit the copyright right when you press the shutter. This gives you the ability to make revenue through your images for as long as you're able to do so. So instead of earning income just through your labor, and that's it, aka your assignment rate, you have the uh, ability, the potential to earn income through your IP as well. Okay. Now, many freelance clients have worked around this by implementing work for hire agreements, which basically just strips you of your copyright without having to provide you employee benefits, which from their end looks like this amazing situation. But from a creator's perspective, it's one of the most exploitative set of terms that you can find in our industry. And we can go in on that in a later episode. But for now, just know that the copyright law is on your side as a freelancer, and you can and absolutely should articulate that to your potential clients. Number six, rate control. All right, so one of my favorite aspects of freelancing is that you can set and negotiate your own rates more than the average employee. Sure, they can ask for performance reviews and request a raise, but Honestly, it's never project to project. They may have to set a meeting with their boss six months from now, 12 months from now to see if they've exceeded the expectations that they set that would warrant a salary adjustment. Freelancers, on the other hand, can raise their rates 20% tomorrow if they wanted to. They can set their brand equity as high as they want. So your earning potential can be higher than the typical employer is willing to shell out for one of their employees. It's one of the most empowering tools at your disposal when a client agrees to your rates and your terms, okay? So if you want to be paid day of as opposed to net 60, you can set that. An employee can't. They'll get paid whenever accounting sends out the checks. You, on the other hand, you can set your terms for 50% upfront deposit and the remaining 50% to be delivered before you release the images. So just keep that in mind. You can control your rates and your rate terms. So even though it doesn't seem like it all the time, because there are plenty of take it or leave it jobs out there, uh, you as a freelancer have more leverage than you otherwise would if you were an employee just knocking on your boss's door. Lastly, number seven, lifestyle manifestation. All right. So on top of the rates that you can set and the copyrights that you own, additionally, you have more control over your lifestyle, which is the most satisfying aspect of all of this, folks. Your schedule, your tasks, your environment, your workflow, your creative projects are all at your discretion. You don't have a boss checking in on you. You don't have a coworker sucking up all your time with dumb questions. You don't have to follow a 30-minute lunch break policy. You have control over the lifestyle that you want to live. Now, the downside of that, of course, is that it takes discipline to develop. So if you are easily distracted by that video game console next to you, then you might have to build up personal parameters to help structure your day so that you can at least achieve the goals that you set out for yourself each and every morning. 
But if you've gotten through this entire episode and you've listened to all of the negative things I've said about freelancing and you said, you know what, that's actually pretty doable and you are looking for more opportunity to recharge your batteries or focus more on your own projects and uh, set your own rates and schedule and have more control over what you basically say yes and no to, then definitely give it a shot. Give yourself a shot and definitely keep listening to the show, by the way. But if I were to leave you with one lasting piece of information, one lasting piece of advice, I should say. Um, I believe we're always exposed to these remarkable opportunities, you know, whether we're aware of them or not, in which we can choose to be bold, to take that leap of faith. And if you've nodded your head to all of the things that I've listed off today and said, okay, I understand all the potential obstacles and I'm ready for that challenge and I'm ready for the work that comes with taking on those challenges then I believe wholeheartedly that you're ready for the rewards as well. And in parting, I will simply say all the very best. And I'll see you guys next week. What's up, entrepreneurs? Thank you for tuning in and making it all the way to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed the content you just listened to, hit subscribe and tune in again next week. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Entrepreneurs Pod for updates, promos, and giveaway contests that we run throughout the year. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our really cool website, EntrepreneursPod.com. It's a great resource for you to download informational PDFs and booklets, access discount codes from our amazing affiliates, and read what our audience is up to on our community blog. For now, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, supporting the show, and being a part of this journey. This is Michael Durr signing off for now, Entrepreneurs Season 2. Let's go. This episode of Entrepreneurs was brought to you by Bay Photo Lab. First-time orders receive 25% off on any professional photo printing product or service. Yes, I said 25%. Just go to bayphoto.com to browse the amazing selection of gifts, prints, and displays. That's bayphoto.com once again. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.